Welcome back to part two of antiphospholipid syndrome. In this session, we're going to tackle management specifically during pregnancy, both antepartum and postpartum for patients who have APS or antiphospholipid syndrome. Life is just too short to go through without some kind of passion. Find your passion. Our passion is medical education. This is Clinical Pearls. In part one, we covered the diagnostic criteria for antiphospholipid syndrome. So if you haven't heard that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that session. In this session, we're going to attack this in four very simple categories so that you'll never forget what the right treatment approach is based on the patient's prior history with APS. Remember, that's antiphospholipid syndrome. We're going to break down treatment or management into two boxes for each of the four categories. Remember that during pregnancy, we're either treating them antepartum or postpartum, remembering that the postpartum interval is actually your highest risk for venous thromboembolism and thrombosis in general. The first of the four categories that we're going to tackle is antiphospholipid syndrome based on a history of previous arterial or venous thrombosis. Now that stands alone with or without some pregnancy-related morbidity. That's the other set of criteria because remember, the most dangerous thing for a patient is to get an arterial or a venous thrombosis because that could be life-threatening. Yes, recurrent miscarriages, which is another clinical criteria, is devastating and very impactful, but it's not going to put their overall health at risk like a venous or an arterial thrombosis. So the first category is antiphospholipid syndrome with prior thrombotic event, regardless of the APS-defining pregnancy morbidity. For this first category, for the antepartum management, these patients require full therapeutic dose of Lovenox as well as low-dose aspirin. In the postpartum interval, warfarin should be used, and they should be used for an indefinite period of time as a medication because APS doesn't go away. Everybody good? So APS was prior thrombosis, regardless of prior pregnancy morbidity that may or may not have been present, they need full anticoagulation during pregnancy and low-dose aspirin. And postpartum, they need an oral anticoagulant, which traditionally has been warfarin because that has most of the data behind it. Now, I know what you're thinking, or you should be thinking, warfarin, how old is that? And that medicine really sucks. And it does because it requires frequent PT monitoring. It requires frequent dose adjustments. But the newer oral anticoagulant medications don't. So to be honest, I definitely prefer the newer oral anticoagulant agents over warfarin. I'm just giving you the most traditional postpartum treatment, which is warfarin, although there's nothing wrong with using one of the newer generation, one of the more up-to-date oral anticoagulants. Let's move on to the second category, which is APS or antiphospholipid syndrome based on meeting lab criteria and having a pregnancy morbidity defining condition. Remember, that's one or more fetal losses greater than 10 weeks or three or more unexplained consecutive spontaneous pregnancy losses at less than 10 weeks. Now, for this category, this includes the absent history of arterial or venous thrombosis. That was the first category. 
So I call the first category clotting and the second category pregnancy loss. Remember, right now, we're in the pregnancy loss categorization. For these patients, the antepartum management includes prophylactic dose Lovenox and low-dose aspirin. And postpartum, you continue that exact same algorithm for about six weeks. That's prophylactic low-dose Lovenox and low-dose aspirin, and that's regardless of the route of delivery. Now we're on the third category. The third category is APS based on lab criteria and some other pregnant morbidity issue, like the preterm delivery of a morphologically normal fetus before 34 weeks due to severe preeclampsia, eclampsia, or other findings significant or consistent with placental insufficiency. This category also, like category 2, has no previous history of arterial or venous thrombosis. Remember, that was category 1. So the third pregnancy category, I call this placental or pregnancy issues. So remember, first category was clots, second, pregnancy loss, and then the third is placental insufficiency or placental issues or pregnancy issues. For these patients in the antepartum period, all they need is low-dose aspirin. Remember that ACOG says that based on the risk factor-based algorithm for low-dose aspirin, having a previous history of preeclampsia or eclampsia is a high-risk factor, and that deserves low-dose aspirin. So that's where this comes in. So antepartum management is low-dose aspirin by itself. And in the postpartum period, it really is based on the route of delivery. If they had a vaginal delivery, then intermittent pneumatic compression devices and low-dose aspirin can be used while they're in the hospital. But graduated compression stockings and low-dose aspirin can be used for the entire six weeks of the postpartum interval. And if they had a C-section, then prophylactic dose Lovenox and low-dose aspirin are required for up to six weeks. Everybody good? So the third category, which is pregnancy issues, antepartum is just low-dose aspirin alone, but postpartum is based on their route of delivery, with vaginal delivery needing intermittent pneumatic compression devices and low-dose aspirin in the hospital, and then graduated compression stockings along with low-dose aspirin for six weeks. But a C-section gets them the prophylactic dose Lovenox and low-dose aspirin for six weeks. And that brings us to our final or our fourth category, which are the patients that have laboratory criteria for APS, but they've had no clinical criteria. In other words, they have no history of venous or arterial thrombosis, and they've got no pregnancy or obstetric-defining criteria. In other words, they've found labs as part of some other workup. So you know they have it, but they haven't declared themselves yet. Well, for these patients, the antepartum care just includes low-dose aspirin by itself. And postpartum, again, is divided into vaginal or C-section-based routes of delivery. If these patients had a vaginal birth, then you treat them the same as Category 3. They need intermittent pneumatic compression devices and low-dose aspirin in the hospital, and then graduated compression stockings and low-dose aspirin for six weeks. Remember that they have two thrombophilic conditions here, postpartum interval by itself, and they've got antiphospholipid antibodies, so you can't ignore that. And if they had a C-section, you treat 3 and 4 the same way. They require prophylactic dose Lovenox and low-dose aspirin for six weeks. 
And I call this last group, this fourth category, the lab people, because those are the ones that have APS based on lab criteria alone, but they have not yet declared themselves. They haven't had that one clinical factor that gets them the full syndrome diagnosis. So remember our four categories. The first is clots. The second is pregnancy lost. The third is pregnancy issues. And then the fourth are our lab people. I told you at part one that people can make antiphospholipid syndrome kind of complicated, but it really isn't if you just put them into one of four boxes. And we've done that here. And then divide the care into antepartum or postpartum management. So I hope you've enjoyed this very targeted, very quick review of APS management in pregnancy based on which box they fit in. As always, we're thankful for you and glad that you're part of our listening family. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.